Good morning to each one of you. It's good to be here. I had to smile a little bit at that, the title of that song, Stretch Every Nerve of My Soul, and I thought maybe this would do a little bit of that coming up here to share. I'm going to be sharing from 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I'm going to be, this is a story, the story of Hannah, and I had a difficult time trying to decipher, is this a topical, is this expository, or is this a character study? Maybe it's going to be a little of all of that. Um, But it is good to be here, and it is good to open God's Word and study. Um, In this story, we find a lot of characteristics of people that you may and I may identify with. And we also can learn about the character of God, which I'm very thankful for as well. Um, so I will go ahead and read verse, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, verse 2. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was... Year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, she was provoked. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you are indeed, if you will indeed look on my affliction, on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, and all her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. And Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put away the wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit, and I have drunk neither 
wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of the complaint of my, of my grief have I spoken until now. Now Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you the petition which you have asked of him. So she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Stop reading there. So, question, have you ever questioned whether God is good? I think most of us probably have at one point or another. Or, does God hear me when I pray? Does God answer prayers? It seems like all I do is pray and pray about this thing, and, and God is not answering me. I'm sure Hannah felt this at times. So let's see, let's start going through the story in verse 2. I'll just go through some things before we get to the main point. But verse 2, we see it just the plainest day. Um, Hannah's defining characteristic is she was barren. She had no children. And that's not a very nice one to have as your um, main characteristic. The thing that people think of when they think of you. And especially in this day, and a married woman desires children naturally. God's put that desire in them. Um, it would be like as if I would talk to you about, um, yeah, that's Jake. You know the guy with one leg. Oh, yes, I know who you're talking about now. Um, oh, that's Anna, the one that hasn't had children. Yes. That's a very painful thing to be had connected with your being. Um, but this was her case. Um, in verse 3, we see Elkanna. It says her, her husband, he was a man of God. He was leading his family in worship. We see that he's yearly taking his family to the temple in Shiloh there to worship the Lord as a sacrifice. And it makes mention of Hophni and Phinehas. And most of us know of Hophni and Phinehas. They were the epitome of hypocrite. Um, they were, they violated God's law in the way they handled the sacrifices. They would eat what they wanted, but all they cared about was with what food they could get out of the sacrifice unlawfully, and they would cheat people in the temple. They were very wicked men, and God later removed them. But, so it's interesting that it's mentioned there, and I was thinking of uh, interest, um, of any value there. You know, I think in America, the most, the number one classified number one excuse why people don't go to church is because there are hypocrites there. And um, as one man witnessing told another man that in the street, the man said, I don't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. And the Christian said, it's better to go to church with a hypocrite than to spend eternity with one. So that's 
a little bit humorous, but it's 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 not really either. So, um, but Elkanah didn't take an excuse um, about the condition of the temple and the and the those that are in authority there. He led his family to be obedient to God, and I think we can take that into heart here. If we have a desire to worship the Lord and please Him. We don't have to expect conditions to be perfect to do so. To do so. All right. So, verse five through seven. We'll look at that briefly. Here we have um, okay. Elkanah is giving the double portion um, to Hannah to show kindness to his hurting wife because it's obvious she's hurting, and. Penina. Okay, so it says twice in verse 5 and verse 6 that the Lord closed her womb. The Lord did this. And it says that her rival provoked her. Um, what a nasty thing to do. Penina, come on. So somebody's down and they're hurting, just make fun of them. It's obvious God has put him in this situation. Just poke at him and goad at him. That that just makes me really upset. But wait a minute. Um, actually, I've done that very same thing. Not towards a barren woman. Um, one time, I um, made fun of, or not made fun of, but I, I referred to a aging youth as an old maid, and that didn't go over very well. And um, I survived, but um, it's a thing I'll never do again. And and she was a Christian. She's a Christian, so I am forgiven. And um, the relationship is mended. It wasn't here, by the way. So, but so I I I can identify with Benina now. So that makes me feel bad. Maybe any of us can identify with Benina too at one point in time in our life. I don't know why. It's this natural tendency of humans. It's our human, sinful human nature that somehow likes to just dog a little bit somebody that's underdog. Um, I suppose it's the thing of if I push them down a little bit, then it helps me go up a little bit. And that's that's so wrong. In comparison to God, we're so low, we need to just pick each other up. And that's what we need to do for each other. Alright, so I've identified with Penina now. Um, Alright, let's see if I have to identify with anybody else. Verse 8. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, when she didn't eat and she was weeping, he said, Hannah, why do you weep? And why don't you eat? And why is your heart grieved? Aren't I better than ten sons to you? So Elkanah just blows it. Now, come on, Elkanah, that is just wrong. You don't treat your wife like that. Um, that was very insensitive. But I can't be too hard on him because I can identify with Elkanah too. And maybe you can too, some of you. You know, as men, we like to fix it. We like to just, what's your problem, dear? I'll, you know... Tell me the facts and I'll fix it. Um, 
and he was probably a typical male. But you know what? This was something that he couldn't fix. And that can be very frustrating to me as a husband that I have some things I can't fix. And um, he was probably a very good husband, but um, husbands can become insensitive at times. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about natural desires. God has placed in us as humans good and natural desires. We talked about Hannah's natural desire is for a child. God has placed that in the heart of a woman when she's married to desire children. Usually. But it is a natural and godly desire. God has placed in the hearts of people the desire for a relationship with the opposite. Marriage and intimacy and love. God has placed this in our hearts. These things are good. They're good desires. Um, Paul, you know, yes, can't remember. Oh, James said that there are things that we ask for and beg for, but we don't get them because we're trying to consume them on our own lusts. Um, that's why our prayers don't get answered sometimes. But these are things that are natural desires that God's given us desire and along for. And we should be asking, and we should be seeking God for them. Um, we could add to that list. I was thinking of, of healing. Healing is a good and God-given desire to be whole. I'm going to read a verse from Psalm 84. Verse 11. You don't have to turn there. One verse. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. There's a promise. These good things that we desire, the Scripture says God's not going to withhold those things from us. But I sense a contradiction here. And maybe it's sometimes it's better to, instead of avoiding contradictions, we should walk towards them and find God in it. Um, you know, that same verse, those that are righteous, God will give them. Um, that's given for the Hannahs of the world as comfort and hope. But too often the times, the Peninnas get a hold of that verse and say, well, you're not righteous, obviously, because you still don't have the thing that you're desiring. Because it says it's for the righteous. Don't go there. You know what? The scripture says that those that call on the Lord are righteous. That's one of the qualifications of righteousness, is those that have a heart to call on the Lord. So, keep calling on the Lord and, and seeking God. I don't know what... I don't know who this message is for exactly. I know that I learned some things and I need much from the Lord. And, and I hope that we can identify with these characters a bit and, and grow. Most of all, that we can see God 
um, more clearly. So why does God sometimes withhold good things? And in verse 5, it's, it's very clear that the Lord closed her womb. Closed it. You know, Job was in trouble because the Lord opened the door for Satan to get in. This doesn't say anything about that. This was the Lord's doing. The Lord closed the door. Why does he do this? Um, and, I, and I write it here in this moment, in this portion of the message, I get really scared because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm lifting up problems. I'm bringing them up to look at a little bit. And I do not want to leave it and let God look bad. Okay? That's my fear. I do not want to leave our problems unanswered and God looking bad. Because God is good. So, God is working towards an end much bigger than our own um, desires and satisfaction. It's something that I have to keep reminding myself of. God's, God's purposes are so much higher. And His plans are so much bigger. Um, it sounds like maybe He's insensitive to our feelings now. No, He's not. He's absolutely not insensitive to us. In fact, He says that we should cast our cares upon Him for He cares for you. Um, and there are many such verses that speaks of that. Um, so my my answer, and I don't mean it to be thin, but my answer to this problem is that we must trust the heart of God. We must trust the heart of God. Weakness and severe suffering and anguish of heart does not destroy our faith. It only defines it. To wrestle with God, to wrestle with the thing that God is asking of us, is not in itself disqualifying our faith. Jesus wrestled in the garden with things that the Father asked of Him to bear. And He was very victorious, wouldn't you say? In the things that we are desiring that God's maybe putting a stop to and saying no for now, I like to look at it as a stop sign at a two-lane road. There's two directions that you can turn. You've got your wait or your no to the thing that you're stopped to the thing that you're desiring. In Hannah's case, it was no children. God has closed your womb. There's a stop sign and there's a choice to be made. Am I going to go this way or am I going to go this way? Um, and those two directions are key to this whole message. This is the thing I want us to hold on to. The two directions are A, to become broken and surrendered to God's will for my life. To this thing that I don't understand and I don't know how to handle and I can't hardly bear it. But I'm okay with it because it's from the hand of God. That's A. B is to go the other way and, and become bitter and say I want this that I want more than I want God. And I'll do whatever I have to do to get it. Um, 
and you choose your own way. Those are the two things. Stop sign, meaning I'm not getting what I am longing for here. Good things. And then there's two ways you can turn. Am I going to turn towards the heart of God, or am I going to turn away from God and, heart, and harden my heart towards, towards God? In verse 10, we see that Hannah chose to draw near to God. Um, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. God didn't expect us to always come with pretty prayers. He doesn't always expect us to get over our being upset before we get on our knees. Um, I just remembered Milo's message a little while back about the, um, what was the word? A relent, uh, um, no. Lament, yes, thank you. This was, this was a lament. She was taking all the all that was in her soul and just pouring it out before God just exactly the way it was. But that's not wrong. But what is wrong is to to take it away from God and carry it with you and let it eat you up. But to turn towards God, that is that is beautiful. And right here you know, and I know, we know in our hearts, in our minds at least, God hears. God hears. In Psalm 34, 15, quickly, turn to that. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Eyes of the Lord are open to the righteous, and his ears are open or attentive to your cry, to my cry. God hears. That brings me to surrender. Um, usually, and I would like to say always, always, when God withholds something good, it's so that he can replace it with something much better. When God withholds something good, it's to replace it with something better. And to find that better thing through surrender is the only way. To take God's hand, to, take his, to trust his heart, and turn the right direction on that two-lane road, and trust his heart, and follow him. That is the only way that we can find that better thing. Verse 11 here says, Hannah made a vow. And I like to think of it as a form of surrendering. Surrendering her right to that firstborn. She, sa she says, O Lord of hosts, you will indeed look on, my, on the affliction of your maidservant, remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. What a commitment. 
I believe that this was the exact reason why God allowed Hannah to be barren, to bring her to this point. We could, we can't see on the other side of the tapestry of, of, of heaven, but if we could look down from the top and, and be with God and look over this story, God says, she's about to break. Let's, you know, give her some grace a little longer, a little longer. And, and then he's with her and he's very sorrowful with her at that meal when she's weeping. And, and then she goes to the temple and prays. And God just must have been so rejoicing for her to get to this point where he wanted to bring her so long to this point of surrendering that firstborn. And so she commits her firstborn to the Lord. Some places do baby dedications, and I think it's sweet and nice, you know, to bring the baby up front and pray over it. And that's great. Pray a blessing on that child. Um, this was a little bit bigger. This was giving something she actually didn't have to give. Isn't it the way all giving is? It's God's anyway, and all we do is give it back to God. But this is an extra clear version of that. She literally had nothing of a child to give but faith. But she gave that faith promise. So God used difficult circumstances to bring Hannah to the place where God wanted Hannah to commit to give this child back to him. Um... And skipping over the part where Eli thought she was drunk, verse 18, she says, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. I love that. I love that. She found a great peace. She had wrestled and prayed. You know, I want to be, let's be cautious about making vows to the Lord, okay? I'll leave that between you and the Lord. You want to make a vow to the Lord, but um, if you do, follow her example and keep it. But she wrestled through and found peace. Now, I also want to be careful to say that the thing that we are desiring, I don't want to say that when we lay it on the altar, we'll get it tomorrow or nine months from now in her case. It's not necessarily how it works. My guess is she kept laying it on the altar. She kept surrendering that thing. And she kept coming to a place of somewhat peace. But this thing just kept growing and growing heavier and heavier. Until she got to the point where she made this vow that God was looking for. She was as elated almost as if she was already expecting that's faith right there. That's faith. By the way, the areas of our life that we have had to surrender the most in are the areas that blesses the most people. And that's the most beautiful about that person. Is an area that God has touched 
areas of, of pain that people have accepted and found grace and surrendered, those things can be such a blessing to others. God doesn't God doesn't do these things for for just to cause us to suffer. God doesn't do these things because He gets the pleasure out of it. God does these things with a great, enormous purpose behind them. Um, and in this case, we see that she didn't know what was coming. We, we know the whole story. And we see how Samuel came out of this situation. And many times in the Scriptures, you read, especially through the Old Testament, the, um, the ones that were barren, the things that God withheld for a long time, the, God gave a special child for a special purpose. And I, I think that goes beyond just child raising. That if there's areas in our lives that God's touching and, and, and withholding from you from, and you're praying and surrendering, God's going to use that thing in a beautiful way because He is good. Because He is good. And I'll read verse 20 now. And it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked of him from the Lord. God blessed with Samuel. And because she was committed to God and surrendered to Him, she received a new defining characteristic. It wasn't, that's Hannah, the barren lady. It was, that's Hannah, the mother of Samuel, our prophet. And that's, that's what God can do. The scars were still probably there somewhere, but it was way overshadowed by the grace and, and the glory of being used of God in a great way. So, Samuel's still little, and Elkanah tells her, keep your vow. God's blessed you with this baby. You need to keep your, your vow. And she says, just let me wean him first, and then I'll go to the temple. So, I don't know exactly his age, but it says he was young. And she took that that long trip to the temple. It must have been the longest trip to the temple. I cannot imagine doing this. You know, if I had 12 children, they're all raised, and number 13 comes along and he's two years old, don't take him and put him in some institution where I'll see him once a year. That would That would grieve me bad. And this was her very first one, her most prayed-for possession that she longed for. And she's giving it, just giving it. I think that takes, that takes a lot of faith and courage right there. But she trusted God. She believed in God. And that's what she was going to do. And um, she kept that vow must have been the most difficult thing to do. Her only begotten beloved son. 
You know, I have to think that must have touched the heart of God when Hannah turned loose of the little boy and old Eli's got his hand now. Um, it's, it seems like she was strong and she, she rejoiced and she did a really good job of it. And we see it in the first portion of chapter 2, her prayer. Just just lifting up God. Just glorifying God. Now that's what I call a sacrifice of praise. It's not just singing a song on a Sunday morning. This was, you gave, you gave your heart away. Your, your most precious possession. And, and then you just turn around and just glorify God. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Instead of self-pity. Um, for all she knew, that was her only only baby. But she went away just so grateful and so blessed that God had seen fit to bless her with this special child. And so she went home rejoicing and praising God. <clears throat> I was going to read verse 26 through 28 real quickly here. And she said, this is when she's giving him to Samuel. Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. And for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. That was a challenge to me. See how she she gave up of gave up her best. I wanted to read from the New Testament, um, Luke chapter eleven. Verses 9 through 13, talking about asking and seeking. Jesus said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. For if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we have a good Father, and we need to be seeking Him, and seeking Him for each other, and for the church. Um, I think we need to be seeking Him more for His Holy Spirit, so that we can live victorious lives. God bless you.